Are more type 1 diabetics excelling in sports? You're listening to ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to our special segment, Focus on Sports Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Maurice Pickard, and joining me today is Dr. Larry Deeb. Dr. Deeb is a pediatric endocrinologist, clinical professor of pediatrics at the University of Florida College of Medicine, and the past president of the American Diabetic Association, Medicine and Science. Thank you, Dr. Deeb, for joining us today. Oh, it's my privilege. Are we approaching exercise differently with type 1 diabetics? The answer is yes and then, but of course I'd say even no, because you are presuming that people are remembering diabetes from days gone by. But, you know, when I walk into a room, a new child with diabetes today, or uh, have a new person come to my office with diabetes I look at them and say, you know, whatever you want to do to be active and healthy, I will help you do. And so, in a sense, if that's different, yes. But my approach now is healthy living, wide open, do what you want, and I'll help you do it. I remember certainly when I began practice having a lot of anxiety about prescribing exercise for my type 1 diabetics. I would certainly talk about their insulin coverage, which was in those days based on their urine, which makes me feel like a dinosaur sometimes. And I certainly talked to them about their diet. But when it came to exercise, I used to say, you know, go easy on it. I don't want you to have a low blood sugar episode. Do you still feel that way or are we getting away from that? And if we are getting away from it, what has allowed us to do that? The answer is yes, we are away from it. And the reason is, and what's really important for, the, for our listeners to understand is that when things change in medicine, it takes a while to get all the way, quote, out there, unquote. And you can't be hostile at the internist and family docs because, you know, as an internist, you're expected to manage everything about a person, their hypertension, their cholesterol, their heart disease, everything. And so each nuance of new medicine, it's, it's, you can't expect to know it all at once. And I think that's important to say. But what's important for people with diabetes is to be empowered so they know that they can and then sometimes even help their doc. And I've had elite athletes help me manage them better, the things that I didn't even know. And I think that's important to say up front to people who have diabetes, part of your job is to learn enough about your diabetes that you may even be helping your doc help you manage better. For example, you were talking about urine glucose. I remember just a paper that I just, just published in this month's Diabetes Spectrum that looked at technology over 30 years. And I can remember taking that same group of kids hiking into the mountains of the wilderness of Wyoming and having them urinate on a strip and thinking, goodness gracious, here we are walking through the hills, kids eating the trail mix, and not even able to measure anything that approached blood sugar. And... That was the late 70s. But then along came the measurement of blood glucose. But it took us a while to understand that we had actually been approaching managing diabetes backwards. You told them how much insulin to take, and then they tried to match life to it. Nowadays, we match the insulin to their life, and that has really dramatically changed how you can approach people with diabetes. What is your blood sugar? What did you eat? And then I'll give you the insulin to match it. And so it's pretty easy then 
to factor the activity into that. It's a beautiful day in Tallahassee, Florida, where I am. It's 90-plus degrees, and if you're 15 years old and have diabetes and you're not thinking about going into somebody's swimming pool, there's something wrong with you. Well, you made an interesting comment. You said that athletes have taught you about their body during training. What are some of the things that an athlete might have discovered that he passed on to you? When you think about training, there are various degrees of it. Most of us don't ride our bicycle across America as fast as we can, all starting one morning and ending up in Annapolis, Maryland five days later. Most of us didn't run off to Vancouver to be a triathlete at the World Games you know, last month. Most of us really just, like I say, went swimming this afternoon or maybe are on somebody's high school football team. But for those very elite athletes, they become so in tuned with their body that they recognize that when you're really actively training, you have to pack in the carbohydrates, pack in the food in order to build yourself up. And it takes a fair amount of insulin. But then at the end of it, you have to be very, very careful because it'll, your dose of insulin will change dramatically. And you can learn that I need to do this before I start, this while I'm doing it, and something dramatically different after I get done. And that only comes about by living it and being aggressively measuring your blood sugar, following what's happening to you, and then making the changes in insulin and diet as you need to to make that all match. That's the rare athlete. That's not the everyday athlete who goes swimming this afternoon or is about to load up and go practice football this afternoon and then have to think about what to do this evening. If you're just joining us, you're listening to a special segment, Focus on Sports Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Maurice Pickard, and we've been discussing with Dr. Larry Deeb, past president of the American Diabetic Association Medicine and Science, what are the new nuances that allow a type 1 diabetic to expand goals in life? You know, there's been a tremendous expansion in technology. We seem to have gone along for a while with just a few drugs, and now there seems to be a whole bunch of new technology, things like artificial pancreas. Does this kind of technology help an athlete of any level who's a type 1 manage diabetes? Technology is truly a friend of the athlete. There's just no doubt about that. Let me give an example. Today I saw a child who is a tennis player and he actually has an insulin pump and his insulin pump has three different basal rates that he's programmed in so that in one 24-hour period, I'll say it gives a unit, one unit every hour, and so that's 24 units. And another 24-hour period, since he does his tennis in the afternoon, he dramatically reduces his basal rate in the evening up until midnight because that's after exercise, you're at risk to get low. Well, by thinking ahead, he can switch over to that basal rate and drop the amount of insulin that he gets automatically because it's pre-programmed in and then of course there's the day when he just sits on the couch with his feet up and he needs more insulin so he's programmed a third rate to do that that's an incredible use of technology where you think ahead and prepare and protect yourself against some of the risks that are associated with activity. You know I was wondering what are the psychological benefits certainly I remember 
with young diabetics in my practice, they were always acting out. They did not want to be different. They would binge eat. They would skip their insulin. Their parents would call me near tears. What were they going to do? Has this modification of allowing a youngster to participate in sports had tremendous psychological benefits, not only for the patient, but for his family? Well, absolutely. I think that for any adolescent, for, for all of us, I mean, even you and me, being labeled different is not really what we had in mind. And I mean, I say that for almost anybody, and at any age, being labeled different is a psychological burden, but for a child, it's even worse. And so to be told that yesterday you were the shortstop on a baseball team, and today you can't play baseball because you have diabetes, think of the anger that would engender. Think of it. I mean, it's righteous indignation. It's not misplaced. You have a right to be angry. But to be told, you can do this, and I will help you, but we have to take good care of you, provides the wherewithal to get there. And that's, I think, a very important thing. Secondly, when we approach management like we do today, to say to a, a child, and you used to do this, you can't have this, and you can't have that, and you can only have this much of this, and don't eat this, and don't eat that, and today at lunch you have to have this much, no more, no less, how different do you feel? But when you can go to the lunchroom with your peers, make healthy selections, which you would hope your peers are doing too, and then at the end of all that, figure out how much insulin to take, it changes dramatically your thinking about who you are and what you can do. That said, of course, you still deal with the problems, but at least now I feel like that I'm able to offer children a much healthier and much more normal life. So they do buy into the frequent checkings, blood glucose. The majority do, yes. I mean, nothing is 100% for anything. You know that. Right. It used to be such a very difficult problem. Well, but the other two was that you didn't do anything with the information. You measured your blood sugar and you didn't do anything with it. Now I adjust insulin based on it. And we allow them to go in and say, I'm not as hungry today, so I won't eat quite as much. So therefore, I'll take less insulin. So there are ways now of using the information that help in managing the diabetes every day. And that, I think, also empowers people to do things. Have parents been able to deal with this? Suddenly, parents are certainly protective. I was. And if you had a child who had something like diabetes, you might be overprotected. Have parents stepped back? Or even in families that have a single parent or a grandparent that's suddenly thrust in as a caregiver for a child, do they buy in and have they been able to accept letting go and allowing the child athlete to be in control of his own fate? Well, it's really interesting. I mean, you don't have to, the word, you don't have to actually let go. You just participate. You encourage. You work with the coaches in the schools to encourage the child to participate. It's a thrill for a parent to go watch a Little League game and cheer them on. It's a thrill to go to a high school football game and see your son be the star running back who actually may get a scholarship to go to a university. Those are great, normal, healthy thrills that parents have, and kids with diabetes, parents ought to have them too. You can't help but pick up the newspaper every day almost, and there is a new type 1 diabetic who is excelling in the sports world. Adam Morrison, Jay Cutler, Kendall Simmons. I mean, it goes on and on. I grew up in Chicago, and Ron Santo was one of my heroes and actually became a patient of mine. And I remember him telling me that early on in his career, he came up as an 18-, 19-year-old, that very often he didn't even see the ball. His blood sugars were so high that, you know, he, it was almost a blur. And now it's a whole different kind of world. And I just wonder, do kids 
buy into this? Is this something that really is helpful? Or is it a dream that uh, may actually be counterproductive? Well, I think that, you know, it's important to, as I tell them all, you know, that the dream of uh, going to the major leagues or playing in the NFL or the NBA is wonderful, but you know, get their education too. But at the same time, when there's nothing better than on national television to see a kid come over to the sideline, check his blood sugar, look at the number, take a swig of Gatorade, and run back out on the field. And as a physician, you, know, you think of all those children with diabetes who just got empowered to see that. I want to thank Dr. Larry Deeb for being our guest. And we've been discussing type 1 diabetes and being an athlete in this special segment on sports medicine. I'm Dr. Maurice Pickard, and you've been listening to me on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. To listen to our on-demand library, visit us at ReachMD.com. If you have questions or suggestions, call us at 888-MD-XM-157. Thank you for listening.